Just need to figure out how much time I have. Um, good morning. So good to be here again. And uh, yeah, it's the third time being back, which is fantastic. And I see a number of faces. I've forgotten names, but that's, that's just what happens as you, uh, you travel around. But, uh, we've been in Brazil for six years. and the last four years, we've been doing ministry called Living Waters. Last time I was here, we shared a lot about that. Uh, about really ministering to people who, well, we're all broken, but uh, the ministry is for relationally and sexually broken. We've dealt with a lot of trauma and uh, working in people's lives. Uh, this is a, a picture of the group that went through our training this past fall. We were not there. I'll tell you a little bit about that. But just some amazing stories of, uh, of what God's done in their lives. I want to tell you very quickly about Fabricio. Um, who's on the bottom left beside the guy with the orange shirt with the glasses and the big smile. Fabricio was a guy who was addicted to drugs and alcohol before he got married. got married. He wasn't a Christian. got married and was still walking in that. Um, a lot of sexual deviation in that as well. And, uh, and he, came to, he came to Jesus, and a lot of things in his life changed. But a lot of things didn't change. And like I shared before when we were here, it's really easy to get to a place where you wear a mask, where you sort of smile at church and everything's okay, but you still have this stuff going on in your life that's a little bit hidden and maybe you're embarrassed or shamed about. And um, so uh, Fabricio learned the rules of the church. He, he learned the game. Uh, and I know we don't have a game at church, right? But we, we do, right? And, and we learn the rules of the church right? So this church is, is very laid back, come as you are. You go to another church, you, you know, wearing a tie is a good deal. Wearing your Sunday best is a good deal. So if you went to church like that, well, you wouldn't show up dressing like this. You would wear something out to sort of fit in. You would learn whatever those rules, whether it's you go to prayer meeting or small group or this and this, so that people go, okay, God's changing your life. And yet, maybe in your life, you're not necessarily becoming transformed into the image of Jesus, but you've learned to adapt to your culture and that you fit in, right? So Fabrizio learned how to do that. And um, very controlling man, but God started to move powerfully in his life through a number of ways. He's become a man of grace. He's not a legalistic man. He, he, he never saw his faults before. Now he readily identifies his faults. Um, it, not necessarily, you know, it's like, it's difficult when your wife tells you something sometimes. But if someone else tells you, the guys, you know, sorry guys, I'm going to sort of throw us under the bus here. Uh, it's, it's difficult sometimes for our wives to sort of say, hey, you know this area? And you go, yeah, 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 yeah. But when someone else tells you that, all of a sudden you sort of click in and your wife later on goes, well, I've been telling you that for the last five years, right? But he's a soft man. And uh, I'd love for him one day to be here with us to, to share and tell you his story. Um, another fella, real quick, is uh, Emerson. He's the big smile, bottom left. And he's a guy that uh, we first ministered to. I was telling uh, some friends of mine, Jeff and uh, Rona, they're new to the church here. They're from Sarnia. I was telling them last night about this guy that when we first started praying for him, uh, in, in Living Waters, I didn't, have, I didn't have much language. And I remember praying for him in our small group and asking, 
Holy Spirit, come, because I could say that in Portuguese, right? And more Lord, I could say that in Portuguese, right? And he starts bending over more and more, and soon I realize his head's almost on the floor, his snot going everywhere. And I ask him later on what's going on, and God takes him back to a memory with his mother, and da-da-da-da, and God healing, and, and his life just started to transform. So he sends me pictures like this through WhatsApp every once in a while. He goes, here's your family, Dad. And, and he calls me Dad, and he's such a gatherer, and he's fathering these people, and they're coming to Christ. He's, and, and so he sends me these things. It's almost like this is your legacy, and I just like, I weep, and, and just because that's what I do. So um, anyway, just want I said that to you. Um, someone came up to me a moment ago and said, hey, so you came back, and so actually we were here in May, and we actually have been here since May. We never left. Um, We've been diagnosed when we came back after we spoke with you guys. We're diagnosed with compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue is like a burnout, but it comes because you're dealing with so much trauma. And, and, I, and I don't really want to tell you some of the stories we've heard because it, this, it's, just, it's just crazy some of, the, some of the trauma stuff that we've heard. And, and there's times I've, I've gone home at night and I say, Cindy, I just cannot hear one more story is too much. Well, what we didn't know, it's like secondhand smoke. My father was 75 years old. He died when he was 80. When he was 75 years old, the doctor had did a test, and he says, man, he said, you must have been quite a smoker when you were younger. He goes, I never touched a cigarette in my life. He goes, well, your lungs are black. Well, my dad took in secondhand smoke, right, through telephone company, all board meetings, and back in the day, they didn't have ventilation. I remember walking into his meetings, and there was just this cloud of smoke descending, and he's taking all this in. Well, compassion fatigue is like that, that you're hearing trauma stories all the time, and you start taking some of that on, you don't even know, and then it starts showing up in your life. And so we were diagnosed. We were asked to stay home a little longer, a little extended sabbatical, getting rest. We saw a professional counselor who's been helping us process things. And uh, in November, we got to a place where my wife moved from, I don't know if we're going back to Brazil, okay? So that was really hard for me because I was still thinking we are going back to Brazil, but she's going, it's an if, and so I was in this process of continuing to lay down vision and desires and what, because if it doesn't work for my wife, it doesn't work for me, right? Because we're a we. And so I got to that place, although how it was very difficult, um, but then uh, we went away one week and we fasted and prayed, and, and the first night we talked about, is it Canada or Brazil? And my wife said, I don't think it's Canada. And I said, okay, so we're on that page. And then we started to move forward on that. November, we're all excited, started telling people we're going back in February. Well, guess what? It's still March, <laughs> past that date. And, uh, but we shared with some people. And again, having a group of people around you that care for you, that hear God, that speak things to you is so powerful. So we actually had, we shared with some people. And then they came back and said, you know, something's just not right. I mean, it sounds right but we think you're going back too early. And there was a word, and, I'll, and you'll get this. It's a very powerful word. And I'm, I'm quite slow, okay? Like I, um, you know, God speaks to me, and God speaks to me through people as well, and that's good. But, you know, if, my, if I'm going in this direction, it's kind of hard to get me off of that. So I'm a little slow to go, okay, God's telling me to go this way. So, and I'm sure there's only like one or two of us in here that are kind of slow that way too, but... This is the word. A friend of ours had a dream that Cindy was in a salon. 
and she was on a chair, and she's getting her hair cut and whatnot, and, you know, clips up and whatever, and uh, the door opens, and a, and a girl walks in from the street, and she yells, help, help. Cindy jumps off the chair, runs out the door after her. Next scene, Cindy comes home at night, assume that everything's been dealt with, gets in the house and whatever, stands in front of the mirror and realizes, oh, crap, like, my hair is half done. And then the scripture verse that Jesus says, the poor will always be with you. So when that word came, I went, okay, clearly God's saying we're half done. There's great need out there. We have hearts to jump. We want to help all the time, but you better take care of yourself. And that was actually a word from someone else who has spent a lot of time ministering to, um, with the Christian Mission Alliance as a denomination. This lady spent 30 years looking after missionaries and pastoral care. And she actually told my wife, she said, if you go back early, you'll probably stay six, six months to a year, and then you will not go back to Brazil. You'll come home and it's over. So it's been a hard year for us, a hard year for me, because I like to do, I like to be accomplishing things. I'm on the phone with people, Skype, talking, WhatsApp with people in Brazil. It's been hard, but we've gotten to a place where, well, me personally, for sure, receiving that. And so what's happening right now with Cindy's receiving a, a trauma therapy um, uh, training, okay, which is going to be very helpful when we go back. I'm receiving, I'm being trained as a coach, and, I, and um, we've been asked to go back to sort of join with uh, some leaders in the South eventually, uh, working with pastors and leaders, pastoring them, training them, so we can have more of an impact on, on, on people there in Brazil. So that's what's going on. Um, running retreats for pastors, uh, soul care, that kind of a stuff. And so we just ask that you would, uh, you would pray for us, um, continue to pray for us. We're also... Uh, in seven years of doing missions or six years and whatever, we haven't sort of done the, uh, what we call continued fundraising. <laughs> we haven't done that. We just kind of let it go. Seven years ago, we raised 4,600 bucks a month to, and it's dropped down to 2,600 bucks. Now, God's been faithful. I mean, at one point, the dollar here was $1 equal $2 in Brazil, and then it went up to $3 in Brazil. So when money dropped... We still had enough money to continue to do, which was fantastic. That's all changing now. And um, we had last year, we had two people die and a couple retirements, and we lost $1,000 a month in support just like that. So we've been asked to kind of look at things differently and said, hey, if you've got more people giving little, then if someone had to back out, it doesn't affect you as much, right? And so we're just asking people to pray, hey, to partner and, uh, you know, to give 50 bucks a month. And if God says, yeah, do it, then do it, you know. And it just sort of will add in there. So we're just throwing it out there. Ask if you would pray. Does God want you to work with us on that? And if so, uh, go ahead and do that. If not, then you want to obey, right? You know? So I've got here my iPad. I passed it around before. Some people have told me they're not getting our updates. So if you were getting our updates and you're not, could you just maybe just write your email address again and your name? If you're wanting to get our updates, you can do that. If you want my iPad, it's unlocked. So, like, you could take it, I guess. But I would ask if someone maybe at the end could just gather it and bring it back. Um, but if it goes, then God bless you. And um, we'll go from there. Okay. Do you have an email address? If you do, if you don't. Yes, I do. I Good. Do. Okay. Do you know how to work that? Yep. Okay. Cool. Okay. So uh, 
let's jump into my message. That was just sort of a brief thing. Where is my message? There it is. So this morning I want to talk about this. I want to talk about how do we walk in God's peace when we live in a world that's constantly robbing us of peace. Every one of us has robbers of peace. And for the most of us, they're similar. Like, I have a certain things that rob me of peace all the time. They might be different for you, right? Yours, you wouldn't know what yours are, but I have certain things that rob me of peace. How do I live in a world with God, walking in his peace, experiencing that on a regular basis so that my life is different from the next person? Because there's, there's people at work or in your street or whatever, they may not know Jesus. You know Jesus. If you go through the same thing, the same difficulty, your life, my life, should look different. Because we have relationship with this God of peace. He's given us peace. It's there for us to experience in a very... So my life should look radically different than that other person who does not know Jesus who's going through the same thing. Unfortunately, that isn't always our experience because we let these robbers of peace steal from us. I wrote down here three things. I'm just going to be putting scripture verses up eventually, but there's three F's of robbing of peace. There's finances, there is family, and there is friends. So finances. It could be work, it could be not enough money, it could be no work, it could be poor decisions. I would hate to, I'd be ashamed, ashamed standing in front of you telling some of the financial decisions that I have made that have affected my family. And so we've had financial difficulties at times. There's family needs, there's braces, there's universities, there's weddings, there's aging parents. I was telling Jeff and Rona last night that seven years ago today we were looking to go to Brazil. And my daughter says, hey dad, uh, Kiffer and I, we want to get married. And I said, fantastic. We're going to be home in two years. Let's plan everything. We're on furlough. We'll hold a wedding. Uh, Actually, we want to get married before you go. Oh, well, honey, I got no money. I, I, we have, I didn't know this was coming. We hardly know this guy. Well, get, that, was a, that was a financial crisis. That was tough, right? That stuff happens. We have family situations. We have uh, poor decisions by children, right? I have a son where seven and a half years ago, getting ready to go to Brazil, we're going to be leaving in February, and I find out for the last 10 months he's been smoking up, And since September to December is one of the stoners at the school. You go, well, where is this dad? You know, where was his head? How come he didn't see that? Well, that affected us. And and if you've had family difficulties or children or situation, you know what it's like to be on your bed at night in a curled up in a fetal position going, God, 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 what is going on? How are you going to break through? Relational conflicts in family, immediate family, extended family gatherings. I mean, everyone's got the uncle in the family that you don't want to have him show up at the, at the family reunion. Because when uncle so-and-so there is there, everything changes. We have that in our family. It's amazing and peaceful when so-and-so and so-and-so is not there. But as soon as they're there, it's 
Everyone hates the Leafs. It's all Montreal Canadiens, and Donald Trump is da 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 da, and this guy in part, and everyone's stupid, and everyone's, and it just the whole atmosphere changes, right? Conflict, and how do you resolve all that kind of stuff? Sickness. A lot of us know sickness coming into the family, and you, you've been at your bed at night, you've been on your knees, you've you've been in the room crying, going, "What is going to happen?" God, please touch. Kingdom of God, come. There's friend problems. Relational. Trust is broken. There's conflict at work. Trying to work through issues with people. Where you had a good relation. All of a sudden something came in. You go, well, how did that happen? Then as you try to fix it, it it just gets worse. And and you're at a loss. And the peace is just robbed. And there's just this turning that goes on on the inside. So the question for us right now is, so what is robbing you of peace right now? What in your life? I'm not a type of speaker that comes along and says, I want to give you a bunch of stuff, information, write in your notes and go home. Well, that was nice. I'm the type of speaker that goes, God, what do you want to say to each individual this morning? And how do you want to transform or start to transform them in that area of their life? So think with me right now. What is going on in your life right now that's robbing you of the peace of God, the peace of God that passes all understanding? Because I'm pretty sure that 100% of us has something knocking on our door or has actually robbed us, and we're not experiencing what Jesus died for, that abundant life that he talked about. We're not practically experiencing it because we've let these robbers come in and take that away. Does that make sense? Okay. I think many of us have, have experienced, even those difficult times, we'll come here on a Sunday morning. By the way, those who are leading worship, I loved worship this morning. Um, if you've never led worship before, it's very difficult to lead worship with a number of people. It's a lot easier to invite the presence of God with one person with a guitar and one voice. But to lead with a band together, worshiping God, and we get invited into their experiencing of worshiping God is powerful and it's wonderful. And I thank you guys. Really, that was good. Um, But we experience God in a situation like this. So you might be wrestling with something and you just sort of forgotten about it until I told you to remember what's robbing you. <laughs> you know? Or someone's prayed for you and you feel really good or you're in a small group. But then when you move out of that environment, you live in a different reality where it comes at you and robs you. A great picture for me in this is... Um, in Brazil, the first two years we were in this area that had this farm, we called it a chacara, and the neighborhood outside, wooden houses and such, and uh, not many fathers, and the fathers that were there had girlfriends, you know, they go away in the weekend, and everyone knows that they have mistresses in different places, and there's shootings, and there's deaths, okay, and the kids come onto the property, and they played volleyball and soccer, and they, when they came, they didn't want to leave, why? Because there was peace, There was an environment, there was a safety. And they told us, once we learned the language a bit, they told us when they left and went through the gates out to the street, it was like a war zone. Okay, literally, but just emotionally, and they just had to protect themselves, and and, and they needed to learn how do we take God's peace with us and experience that in that place. 
right? And uh, so that's what we want to talk about right now. So I'll look at a few scripture verses here. So clearly in Isaiah 9-6, for under us a child is born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So we have a relationship with the Prince of Peace. We know that. We just want to experience that. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may God himself, the God of peace, the God of peace, sanctify you through and you through. Sanctify is talking about being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. So this verse is saying, may the God himself, the God of peace, may he work in your life in such a way to transform every area of your life into the, into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's his goal, that's his desire, that's what we're supposed to be experiencing is this God of peace working in us, transforming us into his likeness through and through. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, now may the Lord of peace himself, the same thing, give you peace at all times in every way. This is a benediction. This wasn't a wish. This wasn't Paul going, I really hope this happens. He was blessing these people and saying, I know this God of peace, the Lord himself, and I'm asking him that you will experience what I'm experiencing, his peace at all times and in every situation. My peace I give you, my peace I give, uh, I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled. So Jesus speaking that to the disciples and, and blessing them. This is very interesting. No discipline seems pleasant at a time, but painful. We get that, right? And then he goes on. However, later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and and peace, and a harvest of peace for those who have been trained by it. Now, I don't believe that every difficult time in our life is a time of discipline. I do believe, though, that God uses difficult times in our lives to produce peace, a harvest of peace within us. And I do believe that sometimes difficulty in our life is God's let a door open, and he's using that to discipline us. I, I fully believe that fully believe that. It's not cruel, but he uses difficult times. However, whether it's a discipline of God or whether it's just the fact that we live in a fallen world and crap happens, right? If we allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives and receive his peace, he will produce a harvest of peace in our lives. All we have to do is look around us. We look and we see someone a little older, and we look at them and go, man, there's something about that person, that couple. There's just a calmness. There's peace. There's this. And they go, wow. And sometimes we go, look, what God, look, you know, look at that person. Sometimes we go, man, I, I, I wish I had a life like them because I don't think they've gone through what I've gone through. And then you just get a little closer to their life, and you hear their story, and you go, oh, my goodness. They have walked through the valleys. They have walked through some very painful, difficult times. But they've experienced the God of peace. And this God of peace, through that, spirit, that, that difficult time, has produced in them 
a harvest of peace. My niece, I got to speed up here. My niece, three years ago at Christmas, she went through a full pregnancy. A week before she was due, everything was fine. Through the week leading up to the delivery, um, something stopped. The baby stopped kicking, da-da-da, and she gave birth to a full-grown stillborn. She didn't hold it in. She talked to people. She walked through. Real conservative Christian, but God really ministered in her life. I got a text from her two days ago because friends of ours who live out in that area where she just moved to, their daughter just gave birth to a stillborn, but they knew that something was wrong. There was, there was going to be complications and whatever, but they knew, but still almost went full term. And the baby died within and she gave birth to a stillborn. And I had this thought, hmm, I wonder if my niece Allie would talk to Katie. So I prayed about it. <laughs> they met each other. Hey, Uncle Art, I met so-and-so, so-and-so, and they introduced me to this person, and I found out they know you, and she just said this, so I just, I just spent time with her, right? Someone who's walked in peace, experienced God's peace, sharing with someone else to say, you too, in the midst of this, can experience God in a very practical way in your life. Powerful verse here, and I want to share a parable. Um, or a story of Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything, but every, every situation, prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understandings, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Let me share a story here. We know this story. That day when Jesus came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. He'd already healed lots of people and feeding 5,000, all that kind of stuff. Let's, let's go somewhere else. So Jesus has been doing ministry. They know about him. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, the disciples, just as he was in their boat, and other boats went along with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Not all these disciples are fishermen, but some of them were fishermen. They know the waters. They know the situation. But they were terrified. And what happened? Jesus was in the stern. He was sleeping on a cushion. So, you know, I've been in boats, you know, not, you know, where it's been storm coming up. We're a little bit nervous. But this sounds pretty drastic. And these guys are all freaking out. Water's coming in the boat. They're afraid. But somebody else is in their situation and has a completely different reality. He's asleep, for goodness sakes. And everyone else is panicking. He woke him. Teacher, don't you even care if we drowned? He got up. He rebuked the wind. And he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Everything went, uh, winds died down, completely calm. And then he said to them, why were you so afraid? Do you still not have faith? Now, it's interesting. When I look at that passage, I don't know what happens to you. That, I, I hear the part that says he rebuked the winds and the waves, and I hear he rebuked the disciples. That's what I hear. What's the matter with you guys? You know what? Tone is really important. If you believe the tone of Jesus at that time was a rebuke, what the heck's the matter with you guys? I'm with you. Don't you get this? Then I I challenge you to ask the Lord about what his tone was. Because I don't think that was his tone. I was with a group, 
Every two weeks, we, we do a study together, but we do what's called imaginative prayer, imaginative, imaginative reading. And what that is, is you read a gospel story like this one, and you read it a few times, and then you close your eyes, and you kind of imagine yourself in the scene. You know, just try it out. And I used to do it all the time. I didn't know what I was doing. I used to do it all the time when I was preparing messages when I was a pastor. I'd kind of go, okay, Jesus, what was going on here? So I kind of put myself there. Didn't know I was doing it. Trying to imagine what it would be like. And, and would I have done that? Would I not have done that? And I just try to. But so now we're being encouraged to, it's a normal thing. Just do that, right? So we did this thing. And a fella, this was his image. And I want to give this to us because I believe this image is going to be very powerful for us practically experiencing God's peace in difficult times. This is the image. He said, I saw the boat and I saw everything and Jesus was there and I saw like there was a bubble around Jesus. It was like he was leave, living in this bubble of peace. Okay? And the others weren't in that bubble. So they had one reality and he, he had a different reality. And then when they woke him, he kind of, he said, I saw this thing of, as he spoke to the waters and said, be quiet, it's like he, he moved his arms out, and as he spoke, his bubble of peace expanded. And it went over the disciples, and over the boat, and across the water, and everything went down. I said, what a powerful image. I'm not saying that the scripture says that when Jesus was in the stir of the boat, there was, there was this bubble of peace around him. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's an image there definitely was two realities going on there. The disciples' reality, the reality of everyone else in these other boats, and the reality of Jesus. And their responses were completely different. It was like they were living two different lives. Okay? And, but what I read in Scripture is that because he's the God of peace, and Jesus has come, and he's given us our peace, we can actually experience the same peace that he has. That his reality can extend out and envelop us, that we can come under that peace and his kingdom. We talk about that, the extension of God's kingdom. And so to me, because if you think about it, whenever we go through a really difficult time and we have these robbers of peace, robbing this peace from us, normally when we talk to God, we, we get this thing like, I'm under control. I got it under control. It's going to be okay. Well, why can he say that? Because his reality is the true reality. And he wants us to experience his reality. This verse that said, um, do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition, make your requests known to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God will come, which passes all, un all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. You will experience this peace. Well, that's what they did in the, in the boat. Jesus, Jesus, we got a problem. Jesus, come, wake up. What? We got a problem. They presented their request. They humbled themselves. They said, I need help. And they went to him, which is what Paul says in Philippines. Don't be anxious. Take your request. Go to him. And the peace of God, he will expand his peace. The kingdom of God will expand out and we will experience his kingdom in his presence. Does that make sense? I envision this that way, but I envision it as this as well. 
that I've got a difficulty, I've got a problem, it's something that just keeps coming up, and I go to the cross, and I don't say, this is what a lot of people do. Jesus, you've got to come, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, and, right? But he wants us to bring it, and he wants to go, I can't fix this, I need you, and leave it at the cross. And then what happened at the cross? There was a great exchange that came. I give him my life and I get his life. So in a very practical way, I'm, uh, and actually we do this. Sometimes we do, sometimes we go on a knee. We, we say, Jesus, I got to give this to you. It ain't working. And I need what you've got for me. I need your reality, your peace, that image. Expand your arm out. Let me come under your bubble. Let me come under your peace. Seven years ago, I remember the day my wife and I, when we found out about her son, and we were trying to figure out how we're going to get him off drugs, how we're going to get him away from his friends, how we're going to do, how we, how we, how we. And we were lying in bed at light night, and we were, I was curled up in a fetal position, and I was crying, and I said, Jesus, it ain't going to work. And in the midst, in the midst of one of the most difficult times of my life, because you can have financial difficulty and stuff, but when your kids go the wrong way, when your kids are caught in stuff and you don't know what to do at all, because your kid looks at you and said, Dad, you know, up yours. You know? You care more about your friends than you care about family. Yep. When we prayed and we cried out to God, there was a descending of peace that came that made no sense. It made absolutely no sense, except for the fact that our God is bigger than us, and we went to him with the need, and we humbled ourselves, and the poor in spirit, they will see God, right? Matthew 5 says, and we shared, we poured out in our pain, and it was like his arm stretched out, and we were enveloped in his reality, his peace, my son was still doing drugs, still wanted to disobey, still whatever, but his peace came. Let's stand to our feet. Just ask you to close your eyes. And I just want to ask the Lord to come and minister to us. And I, if you close your eyes, I'd like you to imagine that in your hand is whatever difficulty that's going through, that, that you're going through right now, whatever it is that is robbing you of peace. And I want you to actually, physically, I want you to put your hands out in front of you. I'd like to encourage you. I can't force you to do that. Put your hands out. But imagine that in your hand is this difficulty, this thing, this person, this, this, this whatever it is. But it's robbing you of peace. And I want to declare to you right now before we pray that the God of, if you know Jesus, the God of peace himself is in you and it is his desire that you experience his peace. And that whatever it is that's robbing us of the peace will rob no more because Jesus is going to envelop us in his peace and his reality. So just right now, in your, in, your, in your mind's eye, put whatever this is, situation, person, 
finances, whatever, place this at the feet of the cross. And in your heart, you're, you're, you're saying, Jesus, Dad, I, I can't, I don't know what to do with this, but this is, this is killing me. This is robbing me. And I want to make an exchange. I want to make an exchange. And take that to the cross and lay it down. And when you come up, don't grab it. But stand there and let Jesus give you his peace. Come, Jesus. Extend your hand over your children. May we experience now the true reality of your peace that makes no sense. More, Lord. Receive the peace of God. Let it come. Your stillness. It seems like something that you put down has jumped back up into your hands. Put it back down again. Say, so, no, I want an exchange. I give this to you. God is touching many of you. Receive. No, we don't deserve it. Don't. That, that's not even, that's got nothing to do with this. Worthy, deserving has nothing to do with this. It's ours for the receiving because we are his kids. So Jesus, wrap your arms around us. And I want to encourage you right now, just as we close, just say to Jesus quietly, Jesus, what do you want to say to me? Because your brother, your father also wants to say something to you. What do you want to say to me? Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your children here this morning. Thank you for your truth. I thank you that you are you are real and you're practical. And I just bless each one of you here.
that when we leave today, when the robbers of peace, the robbers of peace in your life come knocking on the door, you can open the door and say, don't want any. <laughs> you can say, go talk to Jesus. Or you can use this, this imagery of, no, I'm going to take you to the foot of the cross and I'm going to make an exchange because I'm not interested. So, Father, I just ask for your blessing to rest on each one of us, your children, and may you, the God of peace, minister and extend your peace to each one here in a very practical way, in a life-transforming way, so that we can become more and more like you each day. In Jesus' name. Amen.